try one more time, Animation Celery is on the air. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Animation Celery means three stars for quality, selection, and good taste. And on that note, I'm Matsy. I'm Micah. On this show, Animation Celery, Matsy and I give each other cartoons to watch, and then the next week we review and discuss them. And we're going to do cartoons about celebrities this week. Uh, I'm going to look at Hammerman. And interestingly, Matsy is going to review an episode of The Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3. What's that about? Yeah, noted celebrity Super Mario Brothers 3 <laughs> and uh, his adventures. According to Gumball. Um, <laughs> so before we get to that, uh, we do the first part of the show. Uh, so Matsy, fill it. Okay, let's see. Uh I have been playing Pokemon Violet. Hmm. Uh, ask me anything about Pokemon Violet. Uh, did you go with the grass type? Yes. Mm -hmm. I went with Sprigatito. You went with that cake. Yep, I did. Hmm. Um, and then my friend uh, Nimona, uh, she went with Quaxley the duck, who he, he's got that big, like, pompadour blue swirl on his head yeah and his like kind of success animation is to flip it like hair that's pretty and, cool and the little speech thing that pops up because you know they make their little noise but also a, a speech thing shows up and yeah uh quaxley says pomp pomp huh. so that's neat that's um, so i wonder if in the cartoon if he says pomp pomp what are those rare pokemon that says something else Pomp, pomp. I'm going to fish eye lens. I'll make a rap video with a Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I do like this game. The oh. internet has already started to backlash it based on its, uh, poor performance. Huh. Which, which I will second. I was shocked at the frame rate of NPCs that get a certain distance away from you. There's a scene where you're, there's a classroom. Cause like the first part of this is that you're going to Pokemon school. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a different school because the one that I'm going to is the Yuva Academy, which I think might be like ultraviolet. And so I suspect that the Scarlet version might have a different name because there are visual differences. Like there's I a lot of purple in this game. Um, and what I've seen from other people, cause it seems like everybody on YouTube is playing Scarlet. Yeah. And I'm seeing all the purple stuff is red in that version. So that makes sense. I bet the school um, would be Infra. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Infra Academy. Yeah, maybe. I hadn't thought of that. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I was shocked at like single digit frame rates of students sitting at desks and stuff. Okay. Um, It is like it, it gets better in handheld mode. And it also gets better when things get closer to you in the game. Hmm. But... That said, this is the worst running or the second worst running switch game that I've played. Huh. And it kind of makes me think, you know how Sega in like 1999 or 2000 decided we probably shouldn't make consoles anymore. We'll like other people make the consoles and we'll just make games for them. Yeah. I'm starting to think that Game Freak should maybe let other people just make Pokemon games because they kind of aren't very good at making video games. Hmm. The technical aspect of it, like, you know, the um, the philosophical aspect, like the idea. It seems like they know what people want. They're like this. 
you know, we know what people want from a Pokemon game, and we know what people want from modern video games. Let's do that. Except we don't know how. But we'll do it anyway. And yeah, it's it's rough in places. And I'm seeing a lot of videos of there's one on Twitter recently where somebody was like, you can pull out. You, you have a phone mm-hmm. in the game and you can use it to take pictures. And he's taking a selfie with this NPC. And suddenly the NPC, the NPC is standing there with her hands like clasped or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this bird, I think it's a fletchling, flies through their character's face and off into the distance. And then the NPC in the background, their right hand starts clapping Mm. while their left arm bends backwards. So it's clapping with the elbow. So your comparison to Sega was apt. (laughs) Kinda. Um, Busted games. this a little bit. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not unplayably busted like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog was. But yeah, yeah, I'm kind of thinking this might be the moment where, you know, this is the direction that Pokemon should go. It should be an open world, like the idea of just free camera control. You see the Pokemon out in the world. They're not it's not just random encounters in the grass. You actually see them, which mm. is cool because they're their actual size. And it's like, what is this tiny, tiny blue thing? Oh, it's Azuril. I didn't mm. know Azrael was that small, but okay. And and it's neat to today. Hey, there's a Psyduck. Cool. Um, it's, it's weird when the show deviates the size, but the, yeah. the game stays pretty faithful to what it's listed in the Pokedex. Well, this one does at least. Because yeah. like you can see all the Pokemon right there. And people yeah. have like Pokemon following them around, which is really weird because it's like, oh, here's my pet Grasshopper. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so I like that. I, I like... I like the philosophy of what they're doing with this Pokemon. Okay. Um, and you can do things like you can start a fight with Pokemon by throwing a Pokeball at them from a distance. Um, <laughs> you can send your Pokemon out just wandering around with you and it'll go off and it'll automatically battle wild Pokemon just by itself. You don't have to control the fight. It'll just whack, whack. And then whoever wins, wins. Um, Jeez. Okay. So there, there are things about that that, you know, like philosophically, there's a lot of good ideas and a lot to do. Like, Early on, there are three different people who give you three different directions. It's like Nimona's like, oh, you want to be a, a, a Pokemon champion, right? You want to go on Victory Road and go to the eight gyms and battle the gym leaders and get their badges. Mm. And then there's this guy named Arvin who's like, oh, no, there's these uh, these mystic herbs and there's like Titan Pokemon that are protecting them. You should probably go fight those Titan Pokemon and uh, get those. And then... There's some mysterious person who calls you on the phone called Cassiopeia. And they're like, oh, those Team Star brutes. Team Hmm. Star has these six hideouts or maybe it's five. I don't remember. But it's like if you go and beat the boss and all these hideouts, we can take down Team Star. Uh, You can be a bounty hunter. Yeah. And they're all just marked on your map. And it's like, here you go. Go ahead. Uh, If you want to if you want to go to gyms. You should go west and go to this gym where the bug gym is. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If only it was pulled off better. Hmm. But I'm getting to, there's some there's some really good Pokemon names in this one. Yeah. Like, you know, we were laughing at Sprigatito and Fuecoco and Quaxley. Mm-hmm. But there's other good ones like, um, oh, gosh, what was there? I the town, the first town, the town with the first uh, gym is a town that seems to thrive on olives. Okay. And 
there's an olive Pokemon called Smolive, with hmm. small is smelled the internet way, like S M O L. Right. So it's Smolive, um, which is cute. My favorite. Oh, there there's a dog called Mastiff. So it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mastiff is yeah. mischievous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, gosh, what? I'm, uh, there's a a spider with a big round ball of silk on its back, and it's called Tarantula. Uh, hmm. There's a pastry dog called Fido. <laughs> um, my favorite was there's this little Pokemon. I couldn't really see what it was, but I went and to engage with it and catch it. And it's this little rock thing called uh, Nacli, N-A-C-L-I. And I was like, OK, you know, I'm fighting it with a Ralts. So nonsense words are OK in Pokemon names. And then I looked at its Pokedex entry and it said it was the rock salt Pokemon and it leaves salt everywhere it goes. And I went, ooh, the chemical uh, sodium, that's N-A. What is salt? Sodium, sodium chloride. C-O, N-A-C-L, sodium chloride, salt, Nackley. Okay. Hmm. That made me really happy. I was, <laughs> I was excited that I got that. Uh, so yeah, I'm still fairly early on. Oh, I, but there's there's some good things that uh, Pokemon centers are outdoors now. You don't have to go into a building. It's like a stand. And it's combined with the Pokemart and the online thing and all that. So like all those things where it's like you don't have to go into a building and load and go to the desk and have it do like boom, 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 your six balls all plop down. It's like, funny. you just walk, you just walk up to this outside thing. I'll take your Pokemon. Boimp. Doom, 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 doom. Yeah. Hey, you're done. Your healthcare is drive through your veterinary care. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of literally drive through because you get a motorcycle Pokemon. Huh. Um, I, I think this might've been in a previous game. I'm not sure. Cause there's a Pokemon called Cyclazar, which is a lizard with wheels. Okay. Um, but the legendary Pokemon in Scarlet and Violet are like, like the one that I have, it's Me Megadon or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the name is, but it's like this purple dragon with jet thrusters and yeah. its neck and crotch are wheels. So you can climb on it and just drive it around like a motorbike. These are sounding um, very Digimon. Um, yeah, they're kind of ridiculous. They're also sounding like they could make an appearance in a Mario Kart game. <laughs> well, why not, right? You're playing Inklings and Link and so on, so you should be able to drive some Pokemon. I guess. Yeah. Hey, you know um, what? You're talking about Pokemon. There's other huge Pokemon news. What's that? Uh, Ash Ketchum is a Pokemon master. He fulfilled his dream. Okay, now doesn't he do that in every season? Like whenever they have a new game, there's a new victory road that he has to go down. And Yeah, but he always comes up short. Does he? The only I exception is, is the Orange Island League, but I guess that's like podunk. It's like a minor tournament that he won. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah, he, he always loses. Until now, he's won. After... Wow. After, what, 30 years, he's become <laughs> the oldest 10-year-old to win the Pokemon World Championship. <laughs> they had, wow. like, <clears throat> yeah, they had, uh, when it happened, 
they put it on screens on buildings in Japan. So, like, I imagine there were some 40-year-old Forty-year-olds who are like wiping tears from their eyes, like he did it. He finally <laughs> did it. <laughs> wow. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> well, hey, good for Ash. Yeah. He he finally won. He finally he's he's come a long way from using his beat to death caterpie to try to catch a pidgey. Right, and uh, they brought back various characters. Like uh, I know at least May. Um, mm. was there for it. So, yeah, there's all that continuity. He's that 10-year-old who's experienced 20 Christmases. But... Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. Sorry, I was um, interrupting your, your, your video no, no, game no, that's details. Fine. Yeah. No, it's fine. So, yeah, um, it's it's an okay Pokemon game. It Like I said, it runs kind of poorly, but it's got some good ideas. It's just kind of like... Kind of wish they had realized it better, because I'm thinking about other similar open world games like uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah. It's like, this has been done five years ago. Why can't you do it now? Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I also watched a cartoon. Yeah. Um, I looked, I went to Netflix to find something to watch to talk about here, and I found something called Oddballs. Oh my God. Okay. Have you seen this? Uh, well, maybe. What is it about? Uh, it is about this guy who's like, uh, a YouTube animator's, um, original character where it's just this white blob. Like it's a, it's a, like a doughboy, like a white guy, just a white, you know, white stumpy arms, white stumpy legs, a round white head with two dots for eyes and a line for a mouth. Okay. Uh, And his name is James and his friend is a... Uh, an alligator who's apparently like a genetic experiment to be sapient and speak. Huh? Does this sound familiar? No, no, no. Um, Based based on your uh, crap tour in October, I immediately jumped to the oblongs, but I think you talked about them before. Oh yeah. Actually, I actually like the oblongs. Hmm. Okay. Um, the oblongs is pretty decent, uh, satire. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's, it's got, you know, your mileage may vary in places, but it's an okay show. Um, But no, Oddballs is different. Um, This is actually a kid's show. I mean, you might think from the name that it might be kind of crude or something, but no, it's for kids. Um, Let me review for you the the first episode that I watched, which is called Raising Toasty. Hmm. All right. So James and Max have just had the perfect sleepover, and now they want to top it off with the perfect breakfast. They've made perfect eggs, and they've made perfect hash browns, and now they need perfect toast. But the toaster burns it. And Mm. James questions why toasters have so many settings, but they always just burn the toast. We have smart watches. We have smart phones. We have smart refrigerators. Why are there no smart toasters? Why can't toasters tell when the toast is done? And so the two of them decide that they need to make one. And they do this by Max the alligator ripping a chunk out of the smart fridge so they can put its AI chip in the toaster. They just, you know, pop it in one of the slots and pop it down. Cute. Um, Yeah. And this causes the toaster to come to life as a little baby toaster they named Toasty. And they test Toasty out, but Toasty burns the toast. So Max is discouraged, but James reminds him that Toasty is just a baby. And this causes Max to flash back to his childhood as a newborn youth test subject with two scientists for parents. 
Okay. So, so now the toast lessons begin. Now, James has a happy-go-lucky, you know, nurture him, um, praise him, even when he does, you know, he keeps burning the toast, but still, you know, praise him for trying. There's actually a funny moment where he's singing a song. And like I said, he's got these featureless stumpy arms, right? Just a like an oval for arms, right? And he's got a guitar and he like flexes like and like realistic fingers pop out of his was his one hand so he can put his fingers on the uh, guitar to make the chords. Yes. (laughs) And then he just slaps his other featureless hand against the strings to make it just go clong, 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 clong. That was a really good gag, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But Max, because his scientist, his his parents were cold scientists, he just plays cold scientist dad, pointing out every failure. And this starts the friction between the two parents. So we get a montage of them all doing things, like they go to the movies, they play catch with bread, they go for a boat ride on the lake, and all the while... Toasty keeps burning toast and James keeps hugging him while Max just keeps on looking at his notebook and frowning upon him. The arguments get worse and Toasty starts getting confused and angry and soon Toasty is throwing a tantrum and going on a furious rampage just shooting flaming toast all over town. Both dads try their parenting methods to calm the rogue toaster down but there's no stopping him. And in fact, Max is mortally wounded by a well-placed shot. It's like he he's like knocked over. And when when James turns him over, there's this chunk of bread stuck in his belly and this green slime just pouring out of him. It's <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Um, this actually makes the guys reevaluate things and make up. Now, Toasty only has one piece of bread left, but he knows where he can get more. The Funder Bread Factory. Hmm. With with Max injured, James goes on ahead. He sings the Thunderbread jingle, and that calms Toasty down long enough that James can pull the AI chip out of him. Now, Toasty is just a regular toaster again, and his last slice of toast was perfect. Hmm. Back at home, the friends realize why no one has managed to create a smart toaster, because this happens. And they throw the AI chip out and gnaw on some burnt toast together. But then we see the AI chip sink through the garbage and land back inside Toasty. The end. All right. Uh, I actually really like. hmm? Were they inspired by or did they know about season one and two Red Dwarf? (laughs) (laughs) Talky Toaster, right? Kind of. Yeah. 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 I guess that's true. Um, I actually really liked what I saw of this show. It's animated. Well, it looks cool. Um, they, they go through a couple of different visual styles, like, um, to distract Max at some point, James, um, starts playing an ice cream man jingle on his phone. And so Max turns around and is like, oh, ice cream man. And then James puts the phone in this mail carrier's bag and the mail carrier picks it up and he's all teary. And he's like, oh, wow, a new phone. Thank you so much. And he looks over and there's this monstrous alligator stomping towards him on all fours. Like, ice cream, man. Hmm. He starts running. It's, <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff here uh, from what I've seen. It's, uh, I think I might watch more of this. It looks pretty decent. Huh. All right. I all wonder right. if it was made by internet people. I'm not sure. 
Uh, well, isn't everything now? I mean, I is, isn't every creator an internet person now? I guess that's true. Um, sort of your testing ground. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't always burn my toast, but when I do, I wonder who turned the knob the whole way. <laughs> I don't believe well, in ghosts, but no human being would have done that, I don't think. Well, you got a kitten named Doofy in your house. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I'm looking for him now. I... <laughs> That's not him. That's a uh, puppy cat plush toy. Okay. Oh. Yeah. All right. Um. So, yeah, I played Pokemon Violet, and I watched an episode of Oddballs, and uh, yeah, I think I'm done. Okay. You, you can take your turn now. I watched a live action movie, but... Ooh. Its subject is kind of a cartoon. I okay. watched Weird. It's oh, man. <laughs> it's the story of Weird Al Yankovic as played by Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter. It was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to watch that. Well, I won't spoil. Well, for the listeners, too, I won't spoil it because I think there's some crossover. That mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of our listeners probably watch a lot of gag uh, music, you know, and... and and cartoon band music. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I would say that the first half is better than the second, but it sort of peaks at the point where he's at a party and it's a bunch of modern day comedians playing oddballs, <laughs> oddballs, uh, from, from that era. So like, yeah. I can't remember the name of the guy, but one guy's playing, playing Pee Wee, uh, Pee Wee Herman. Hmm. Um, one <laughs> Conan O'Brien is playing Andy Warhol. <laughs> um, yeah, Andy it's Warhol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a party full of weirdos. Um, okay. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not going to take this movie very seriously. I'm just thinking I'm pretty sure Andy Warhol was dead. Oh, yeah. In and the 80s. Jack Black is playing Wolfman Jack, <laughs> who I almost chose. There's a Wolfman Jack cartoon. I almost chose that as the representative of the celebrity oh, cartoon. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know that there was a Wolfman Jack cartoon. Yeah, why? Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I say that one of the best roles, uh, Rain Wilson, you know, from The Office. Yeah. Plays Dr. Demento. Oh, um, yeah, I saw that. There was, yeah. so, there was originally a fake trailer for a movie called Weird, Weird okay. Al Yankovic Story. Uh, I think it was made by Funny or Die. Mm. Um, and that one had... It had Aaron Paul as Al Yankovic. Okay, why not? Um, and in that one, Patton Oswalt was Dr. Demento. Pip. He's He has a cameo in the movie. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so so pretty funny. I think, I didn't, didn't research, but I think it's, there's another movie based around the founder of the National Lampoon magazine and movies. Mm. It feels like the same production, the same kind of thing where a bunch of really famous modern-day movie comedians lend their talents to portray their heroes of past years. Okay. So I think it's a very similar movie and hmm. funny in similar ways, too. So uh, also also as faithful to reality. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is not. Um, yeah. Um, I, we're, uh, Al Yankovic tweeted recently that, like, the one prop he got to take home was his tombstone. Which, yes. he, which he put in his garden without telling his wife. Cute. Um, yeah, so it was like, oh, Weird Al Yankovic, or it's like Alfred Matthew Yankovic, 
born 1959, ate it 1985. Okay, so I guess Hal Yankovic dies in this movie. Well, Um, I won't spoil anything. No, 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 no. no. Because I'm sure you'll watch it. Um, I I have to. I gotta see this movie. Yeah, and a lot of our listeners for sure are going to watch this, I think, too. Um, Anyway, so I did that. Um, I mentioned last week that uh, Raven's little sister, for comfort, has just been binging King of the Hill. Yes. Um, Well... She went through the ceiling and then came out the floor. She's back to season one. <laughs> so I All saw right. one. I saw an early, early King of the Hill episode, one where uh, Bobby uses his guitar. Apparently, this was a thing early in Hank's character that he has a prized guitar, just about as much as he prizes his dog. Uh, uh, um, Betsy, I think its name is. Correct, correct. And and Bobby was using it. Uh, to emulate Celery Head, because I guess they didn't want to just say Carrot Top. Um, so, of course, the the whole premise of the show is there's a disconnect between these two, because Bobby's an original and and Hank is super Texan. Right. Um, well, he talks about his hero that, that molded him. It was Willie Nelson, mm. that uh, because he was born in Texas, and he's followed him through all his musical styles and... Um, they go to his uh, his golf range. Apparently, he's got a golf range in Texas. Uh, and okay. and uh, the is it, is it a range? Golf course. course. Golf course. Yes. Um, and Bobby ends up injuring. Uh, the uh, uh, Willie Nelson is actually there, and he ends up injuring him. Hmm. But it becomes the link that Bobby introduces Willie Nelson to to Hank, and they become friends. You know, and they hang out at the end. And. Um, <laughs> I just I just imagine like because I, I, there was an episode where Hank met George W. Bush when he was running for president. OK. And they shook hands and he was like he was so, he was dissuaded because uh, his hand oh, was weak. limp. Yeah. Well, OK. So don't, st- don't step on my thing here. That was my premise is that it just okay. ends normally with everybody being happy at this this picnic. Right. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But my conception is this should have been a never meet your hero situation just like that where he would have said, oh, is that marijuana? <laughs> like, like he didn't know arguably the thing more than his music that Willie Nelson is famous for. <laughs> yeah. That, that was what you were going to go to, right? Y- yes, it was. Yeah. It was very much. <laughs> that was my whole point to this thing. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, oh, I'm sorry. I stepped on it a little bit. Uh, at no, least, no, no, no. You know, fine. at least we were in sync. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay, so, um, yeah, it's a light week for me, but I'll say Christmas has come early. Um, uh. The third and final part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean begins in December. Woo! Um, Which isn't yeah, really up... early for Christmas. <laughs> well, not not for department stores, for sure. Um, oh. No, but anyway, it's it, it, I get to open this gift on the first if I want. So yeah, okay, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, now I've read before uh, for people that have read the manga that this is not their favorite part of JoJo's, and one okay. of the criticisms is that the setting is a little boring because she's in prison. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I guess everything's kind of dark and dank. Um, mm. But you get a little variety in there. You get like um, there's the the courtyard versus the inside, and you got um, 
like secret chambers, a a secret well-appointed room with a grand piano. <laughs> That's kind of neat. And um, so, some of the people's abilities themselves are sort of environments. Um, mm. So like uh, one character that can turn off, uh, turn off gravity and create like an outer space kind of uh, set uh, uh, environment, mm. stuff like that. Um, and this final chapter, um, apparently is going to start with a prison break. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, the villainous, uh, Reverend Poochie <laughs> is, uh, he's left the prison in order to enact Dio's will. And so Jolene and, uh, uh, and company have to pursue him apparently to Cape Canaveral. So apparently it's something to do with taking off in outer space. That'd be my guess. Hmm. But standing in their way are the sons of Dio, who almost by default are going to be uh, a bigger payoff than the Knights of Ren from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm excited. It's going to be cool. Um, yeah. So Dio's still around, huh? No. Dio never but, left? Uh, no, but I will... Uh, he's he's okay. So <laughs> I I had a moment where um, I was just down, right? I was just kind of circularly thinking and and just being very negative. Uh-huh. And I I got the healing power of cartoons because although I'd been like circling like this for quite a while, eventually, for you know dozens of minutes, I had been thinking about the impact Dio has on each chapter of JoJo's without realizing that I'd started doing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, he is sort of the forever enemy of the Joe Stars, but he's right. not really in every chapter. So, like some of the chapters, his influence is very minimal. So, like he's barely in battle tendency. The stuff of of Joseph Joestar, um, and then he's the main villain in part three again. And and um, yeah, yeah, he 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 has a hand in each of the first six parts, and. I do know that this one is going to end in a universe reboot. <laughs> so, uh, not, not artificial. Like there's an inst, inst I think there's an in plot reason for why the universe reboots. So okay. the chapter after stone ocean, uh, steel ball run is the wild west. And it's Johnny Joe star. Um, <laughs> and Dio is in it also. But they're different. Like, um, this Johnny's not quite as nice. And also, Dio and Johnny are short. They're small. They're jockeys, in fact. <laughs> so, yeah. For a lot of people, that's their favorite. So, you know, that, hmm. that Christmas present's probably a few years away. But... <laughs> All right. But, yeah. Oh, cool. That's what I got. Short and simple. Why don't we get to some uh, famous cartoons? Yeah, okay. Famous cartoon, The Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3. Yay! So, this is, as you might imagine, kind of a sequel to uh, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. The second part of a trilogy, it turns out. Um, <laughs> so, how do I begin here? Um, everybody knows about Super Mario Brothers. I'll tell you something that not a lot of people realize... Uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, mm. arguably the best game that ever came out on the Nintendo Entertainment System. 
Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but you can make that argument. You can make that argument. Yes. Um, it came out in North America in 1990, but what a lot of people don't realize is that it came out in Japan in 1988, which was the year that we were getting Super Mario Brothers 2. Right. So the reason that that is relevant is that Nintendo was already, you know, they were obviously going to bring it to English speaking markets. I mean, that wasn't Mm. in question. They knew it. Um, And to that end, they had already started on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and they were already like, we're we're going to do another one. Let's we'll make Deke. And I think it's say Tokyo or whatever the animation studios. Mm. We want you to make a cartoon out of Super Mario Brothers three as well. But here's the thing. The translation of Super Mario Brothers three wasn't done yet when they had to start making the cartoon. And as a result, there are some terms like they had the basic ideas. And, you know, in this, you know, there's things like dry bones and thwomps that have their proper names and everything. But there were seven very important characters who did not have fully nailed down English names yet at this point, which is okay because they never really used their dad's name either. Like they never used Bowser in these cartoons. He was King Koopa. His name is Koopa. It's confusing. Yeah, they didn't really they didn't really dig deep on the Bowser thing until a few years later. He was just the king of the Koopas or whatever. And so they had to they had the character designs for the seven Koopalings, which were Mm -hmm. at the time Bowser's children. They've since been since been retconned into just his minions. But right at the time they were his kids. They didn't have the names, though, so they had to make up names for them. And so you're going to hear some weird names in this. Right. I just posted my cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. got Okay, so just to just to wrap it up, Larry in this is Cheatsy. Uh Roy, no. Morton. Morton, I'm I'm trying to go in world order here. <laughs> oh, neat. Uh yeah, Larry is Cheatsy. Morton is Big Mouth. Wendy is Cootie Pie. Uh Iggy and Lemmy are hip and hop. Whatever. Uh, Roy has become bully. And Ludwig von Koopa is kooky. Hmm. So there, now you know. And now with that, let's get into this. Half-sodes. Hey, the first part is do the Koopa. Oh, boy. At the Mushroom Land Library, Luigi helps the princess, Princess Toadstool. She's not, she's Peach in Japan, but she's Toadstool here for now. Uh, Princess Toadstool. They find an ancient scroll that contains the whereabouts of a magical music box called the Doom Dancer. Now, there are music boxes in Super Mario Bros. 3. They put uh, Piranha Plants and Hammer Brothers to sleep. Um, Right. But maybe these guys didn't know that, or maybe they just decided to use it for their own means. Because what it does is you crank it and it forces anyone who hears the music to dance along to the uh, beat <laughs> of the music. Yeah. And the, and the heroes figure this is a great weapon. Like we can anytime Bowser and his kids attack, they can just use this to make them dance and stop them doing whatever they're doing. The problem is it's hidden in the Temple of Gloom in World 8 Darkland. That's where Koopa I- lives because he's the last boss. I tell you, this dungeon master is going to regret giving this item out. <laughs> oh boy! This this item that can cast uh, Otolik's irresistible dance at will. Yeah, well, you know, it turns out it's fragile. Anyway, mm. 
Uh, so the four heroes take the warp pipe to Darkland, and when they arrive, a dry bones, that's a skeleton turtle that comes back to life if you stomp on it. Are you uh, sure it's not a mummy? Well, yeah. mummy, mummy. They, they call it skeleton. mummy over and over in this. They do. Actually, they were, they were doing it enough that I was like, oh, this is one of those terms that wasn't finalized in English yet. But then Mario calls them dry bones. I was like, oh, okay. right. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they had, they didn't know what it was called when Harvey Atkin recorded his lines as Koopa. But then when it came time to record Mario's lines, they had figured out the name. I don't know. Right. By the way, Mario is not Lou Albano in this. He's somebody Aww. else. In fact, all the voices are different except for uh, Toad and hmm. the aforementioned Koopa. Hmm. Okay. So anyway, there's a dry bones and it hears him and it goes to tell Koopa that his nemeses are in his own backyard. But Koopa has COVID and he can't hear him because his ears are all stuffed up. You know, that's a, I mean, the realistic thing. I mean, I'm making a joke, but Koopa says he has a cold. And of course, yeah. when you have a cold, your ears get stuffed up and you can't hear anything. Hmm. But once he figures out what's up, he sends his three sons, Cheatsy, that's Larry, Bully, that's Roy, and Big Mouth, that's Morton, to stop the pesky plumbers from doing whatever they're here to do. And meanwhile, the heroes, they do things. They get leaves and turn into raccoons so they can fly across a pit and advertise Super Mario Bros. 3 for your Nintendo Entertainment System <laughs> in stores now. But then laser shooting Bowser statues, which actually are in the last level of Super Mario Bros. 3, take away their power-ups. How cheap. Here's, here's a fun <laughs> fact. In yeah. the Japanese version of Super Mario Bros. 3, when you get a hit, it takes away all your powers up. It drops you all the way down. Right. But in the North American version, you get hit, it downgrades you one stage. Like if you're Raccoon Mario, it'll turn you to Super Mario. And then if you take well, another hit, you get a small Mario. I don't think they've ever addressed the idea of becoming mini-sized. No, they yeah. no, they haven't. In so this cartoon. Let's forget that. But anyway, the point is, this is a, uh, a plot device to make sure they can't just fly over everything. Because uh, there's going to be stuff in the future that requires them being on the ground. So, yeah, they, they run through some spikes and some laser statues and they stomp on dry bones, which come back to life after they've been stomped. And eventually they find the Temple of Gloom. And it's at this point where the so in Super Mario Brothers 3, when you run, it makes this little whistly noise to indicate that you've built up enough momentum that you can fly now. Mm. And they do that every time. That's the sound effect when they run in this cartoon. And it was at this point at first I was like, oh, neat that you did the running effect. Hmm. But at this point, I was like, okay, enough with that whistling noise. <laughs> yeah. Now, just before the commercial break, the three Koopalings track their foes to the Temple of Gloom, and they hid inside to find out what's going on. They overhear the princess talking about the Doom Dancer and figure they can let the Marios get it and swipe it for themselves. Now, the heroes have already outwitted the turtle skeletons, flaming pits, giant spikes, laser shooting statues, but the Koopalings have a trap that can't possibly fail. A tripwire. <laughs> the Marios get the Doom Dancer, and they run from thwomps and Boom Boom Koopa and Babombs and oh wrenches my and, God. and all kinds of traps. That Boom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Swinging his fist. <laughs> Not that far off, really. No, boom no it's the exact yeah. animation. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they run for all the traps. And then they trip over the piece of string. Hmm. Bully, that's Roy, ends up with the Doom Dancer. 
and he uses it to control the heroes and his own brothers. He actually plans to overthrow his father and take over the world. But when he arrives at Castle Koopa, he discovers that, you know, because Koopa has RSV, he can't hear. His ears are stuffed up, remember? Mm. So he has to hand over the music box to his dad, who then uses it to control everyone. He flies his airship to the Mushroom Kingdom and starts everybody dancing in a musical number called Do the Koopa that can't have appealed to anyone watching this show at the time. Oh, yeah. We get to see various mushroom people who don't look anything like toads. Uh, I guess they hadn't really established, you know, it's just like, yeah, there's mushroom people. They hadn't established sure. the population. Um, really terrible looking Goombas, too. It's like they don't realize that Goombas are mushrooms. And so, like, the stem doesn't... Anyway. Are they are they mushrooms or are they chestnuts? Um, uh, Goombas, right? Goombas are chestnuts. Are chestnuts. Okay. This is a different. All right. Um, yeah, that was a weird thing about suit. I, I realized that when I was playing Super Mario Maker, I was like, hey, none of the enemies in Super Mario World ever die. This is the Goombas just get knocked over so you can kick them. The P Koopas get knocked over so you can kick them. The oh, my God. Wigglers if just get angry. If, if you spin jump them or stomp on with a Yoshi, they sure die. Poof, bunch of stars. Well, yeah, true. Yeah, but it was weird. It's like, man, they really like you just can't kill anything in this game. But anyway, mm. we're not that. That's a different cartoon. Uh, this is Super Mario Bros. 3. Mm. All right. So where are we? So they're they're He's playing music. He's got everybody dancing. And during the dancing, Mario gets some plumber's putty from Luigi and sticks it in his ears. Now he's unable to hear the music and he pretends to dance over a Koopa and then does something the camera doesn't show to send the music box flying. And we, we get the thing where, you know, the thing flies around and everybody catches it and loses it and flies around again. Uh, Koopa and Luigi end up in a tug of war and go flying apart. Bowser I and mean, Koopa has the Doom Dancer, but Luigi has the crank, even though the previous shot clearly showed that the crank was still there. <laughs> yeah, um, we need to, you know, to make a pun, we need to wind this thing down. So there's another little tug of war. I think Koopa says he's got his claw stuck in the hole that the crank used to go in. His his kids try to help him. The the Doom Dancer goes flying, smashes over a Goomba's hair, hair, head, <laughs> mm. and the heroes bail out the end. You know, the the Super Mario Brothers Super Show was largely just like a vehicle for genre parodies. Yes. So it was Super Mario, but it would be like the good, the bad, and the Koopa, you right. know, or... Right. Or, yeah, or Mario Trek or whatever. Um, whereas this, this particular episode is the most literal representation of Super Mario 3, the game possible. I, I guess. Like, yeah. Like, oh, what do we do now? Well, we have to get over a pit, so we jump up and get our power-ups. Yeah. You know, and and yeah. how do we get out here? We got to break some blocks. Yeah. And, like, the writers were like, what's something in the game? I, the music box. We can write something around that. Makes yeah. me wonder if there's an episode of this show where they have to cross a bridge and giant hands try to pull them down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, so celebrities. I, oh, yeah. I don't know why, but I thought somebody like Jerry Lee Lewis was going to be in this when I saw do the Koopa. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> but it turns out it wasn't. But there's still another half. So to go here. Yeah. Uh, and this one's called Cootie Pie Rocks. Cootie Pie, remember, is Wendy. 
Mm. All right. So it's evening in the Mushroom Kingdom, and Cheatsy Larry is sneaking up the walls of the Mushroom Castle <laughs> to see what the goody goodies are doing for goody goodness. And it turns out <laughs> that Toad is forcing the brothers to dress to dress up in tuxedos. They all need to look their best. The princess is going to be all dressed up too. And then we get the classic, the classic thing where like you hear the girl say, I'm ready from the top of the stairs and the guys mm. look and go, oh, and I'm thinking, okay, she's going to be all dressed up and glamorous and beautiful. Like, you know, she always wears a dress, but she's going to be wearing something awesome. And they're, they're like, they've never seen her looking this fantastic before, but no, 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 no. She dresses her, down. Yeah. Oh boy. Brothers. She, yeah. Brothers, sisters, Mebs. Everybody, hold on to your butts, hold on to your <laughs> boobs, grab whatever you want. You yeah. are not ready for this. Oh. <laughs> so she's wearing green sneakers, mm. ripped up pink jeans, and a Millie Vanilli shirt. <laughs> and <laughs> Millie Vanilli this, aside, I, I like the look. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And, but at this but, point, you know, hmm? go ahead. No, ga no gown. But she keeps the crown on because, you know, that's <laughs> queen. I guess that's true. Yeah. 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 At this point, I sitting in my bedroom, I actually said, <laughs> oh, my God, out loud, paused it and walked around for a little while to think about this. Think about your life. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're going to New York City in the real world to see Princess Toadstool's favorite music group, Millie Vanilli. Mm. Hey, hey, fun fact, this episode aired two weeks before the thing happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cheatsy Larry figures out that he has to tell Cootie Pie Wendy because she's a spoiled brat young girl and she'll have a thing or two to say about Millie Vanilli. And she does. The thing she says is that she wants to see Millie Vanilli and she says it loudly and repeatedly. And to assuage her tantrum, Koopa promises to steal Millie Vanilli for her. And then we get to see the concert where cartoon versions of Fab and Rob are supposedly singing their hit song, Blame It on the Rain, though. Oh, my God. Versions yeah. of this cartoon that have been released since the original broadcast have Millie Vanilli's music replaced with just a little bit of music without vocals that sounds like Michael Jackson's Beat It. Yeah, which, what is even the point? Do this if you can't hear Millie Vanilli music. Well, I mean, taking out Millie Vanilli's vocals and replacing it with someone else is. Uh... Yes. <laughs> okay. We okay. Let me explain. Like, it is entirely possible that there are people who don't know what Millie Vanilli is. So let me tell you. Yeah. Millie Vanilli is a pop group. Uh, it's uh, it was two guys, um, Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus. Pilatus. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Mm. Um, they're from Germany. Uh, and they, in the early, in the early eighties, they had some big hits. Like they, they were a big pop group. Um, they sold millions of records. They won the Grammy for best new artist. Um, th they were a big deal. And then a bunch of things started happening that caused it to come out that they didn't actually sing their songs on the album. They, and they lip synced in concerts they there was a a bunch of studio um, singers who sang all the music. They just stood on stage and danced around. Um, that 
kind of sunk everybody's career. Like they, they tried to make a go of it for a while. They, I understand they recorded an album as themselves, but it was never released because one of them died in like 1997 or something. Wow. Um, uh, the actual singers uh, released an album under the name The Real Millie Vanilli, but the name was just so huh. poisoned at that point that... Sure. Basically, Millie Vanilli are like the poster boys for artists lip-syncing their music. Yeah, and ironically, I don't think anybody was in it for the music. The songs are okay, but they're in yeah. it for these weird German dudes. I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, now you know who Millie Vanilli were. Uh, and they're in this. And like I said, this was two weeks before it all went to hell. <laughs> um, okay. So the concert. Koopa's airship shows up and they steal Millie Vanilli. And the audience thinks it's part of the show, <laughs> but the Marios recognize Koopa's evil laugh. They warp zone to Castle Koopa, which in this case is in a bunch of water. And World 3, the water world, is the one that Wendy is the boss of. So that makes total sense. Hmm. Um... Wendy, I mean, Cootie Pie demands that Rob and Fab play for her, but the guys insist that they can't play without a backing band. <laughs> uh, in another shocking adherence to Super Mario 3 canon, Cootie Pie uses a magic wand to transform the king into accountants. I mean, Millie Vanilli. Millie the, king, Vanilli yeah. the kings of pop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... And they are horrified to find out that they are nerds. That's a, that's a Simpsons, not a, not, not a making fun of them being German. Oh, sure. and, it, and at this, and <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And at this point, Cootie Pie says that they're in Darkland, World 3, so never mind my fr praise from earlier. Mm. She threatens the guys with more transformations. She threatens to turn them into beetles. And hilariously, Millie Vanilli thinks <laughs> that being a band from the 60s would be a terrible fate. Yeah. You, you're Millie Vanilli. You only wish you could be the Beatles. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, so by now, the good guys are listening at the window. And they understand the conundrum here that Millie Vanilli cannot... Um, satisfy Cootie Pie's demands because they need a backup band. And so <laughs> I like I like to truncate that sentence. Millie Vanilli couldn't satisfy Wendy. Cootie Pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wendy Pie. Um, yeah. So obviously they get a plan, and as Cootie tantrums about needing a band, the heroes show up dressed as a band. Though Toad does mention that they don't know how to play uh, play instruments. Mm. <laughs> They trick Cootie Pie into turning Millie Vanilli back into a legitimate pop group, if only it was that easy. <laughs> yeah. And we get a rendition of their other hit, Girl, You Know It's True, that's been replaced by the same looping four seconds of Beat It. Oh, terrible. By the way, maybe that's what happened. Maybe she didn't transform them back fully. Huh? You ever think of that? Hmm. Blame it on uh, Cootie Pie, I say. <laughs> All right. Blame it on the Koopa. Uh, <laughs> okay, now it's dubbed over, so we'll never know how badly it was done in the original broadcast of this, though mm. the reactions of Fab and Rob and King Koopa and all his minions seem to imply that the music sucks, which would make sense because they don't know how to play instruments. Mm. But, but Cootie Pie seems to like it. And while she's dancing, the band escapes with the non-band. Hey, guess which is which in this instance? 
when she realizes that her pop stars have escaped, Cootie runs to Koopa to tantrum him to get her toys back. But Koopa is glad to be rid of the noisters and decides that a better way of dealing with Cootie Pie's whining is to throw her in the dungeon, which makes her abandon her dream of owning a band. And back in fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back in New York, Millie Vanilli are back to finish their concert, dedicating another four seconds of beat it to the princess. (laughs) The end. I like that this cartoon is made worse by that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, um, yeah. So you you had a good time with this, I guess. (laughs) Um... it was the most fun I've had mocking this show because <laughs> yeah. it's terrible. Like there is, I don't know that there is any part of this cartoon that is good. I think this rendition of Toadstool is pretty cute. She's okay, she I guess. It's weird swollen forearms like Popeye, but yeah, or like a rag doll. And legs um, later, like when she's dressed as her pop star, she's just wearing a skirt and you get to see her legs. Like they're all thick too. Um, Depends on the shot. Because they guess, don't normally have yeah. to draw them. Yeah. But like Harvey Atkin, you know, he's great. Oh, fantastic. Um, he's a very good Koopa. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rob and Fab are terrible voice actors, but, you know, you can't blame them. They're not even singers they're supposed to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> I pile on them. Yeah. Cootie Pie. You oh, can, yeah. You can tell that her voice actor has talent. She just doesn't have the material to work with. She needs let's say some kind of rare unicorn of a role to elevate her <laughs> into. I, hmm? I was thinking, yeah, I was, th- I was thinking this is one of your favorite actors and uh, probably your least favorite role for her. Yeah. This is Tabitha St. Germain. Yeah. Um, and she, she doesn't have anything to work with, but she does her best. Sure. Like, and you can hear the talent inside her. She just doesn't have the material to work with. Um, but like the animation is poor. There are mistakes yeah. everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. there's a scene in the cheering crowd, um, for Millie Vanilli. And there's this girl like right next to the Mario brothers whose dress is like alternating between two different colors in the two different animation frames that are going oh, on. Oh, I, I, my bet is it's on a different layer. So I described this before where there's like, no, when a cell is on top of it, it darkens everything underneath. So they haven't kept the number of cells consistent. It comes on, it goes back off, right? And Well, maybe. I mean, it's the only yeah. thing in that shot that changes color like that. There's another yeah. similar one where they're running, and I think it's the princess's skirt that keeps running, uh, changing between two different shades of pink. Um, hmm. But, like, the thing with the crank I mentioned earlier, uh, they yeah. color bullies pink shell green at one point. Just mistakes everywhere. The the recasting of the Koopa kids, I mean, they they had to, they had no choice, but mm. man, um, yeah, this is, y- y- when you gave this to me, you described it as miserable and <laughs> yeah, that's pretty decent, but boy, it's funny. It's good <laughs> of, fodder. It's, it's funny of, you know, of all the celebrity directions they could have gone. And I guess in 1990, that was the correct choice. Sure. But I mean, well, it would have been recorded before that in like night 89 or something. But but yeah, talk about a cartoon that didn't age well. Hey, I have a couple hot takes for this. Okay. Um, 
I bet that Beyonce would do a concert for Cootie Pie if terrible despot King Koopa offered enough gold coins. <laughs> it, it baffles me when, like, uh, musicians will perform for, for like, dictators around the world just because they offer enough money. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, here's the other thing. When Cootie Pie uses the wand to turn uh, normal accountants back into Millie Vanilli, yep. it's got the Mario power-up sound. Yeah. <laughs> And the, so that's I the say, only sound. There isn't even like a zap from the wand. It's silent. No, it's weird. But I'll say, note to Nintendo, new power-up for the next Mario Maker. <laughs> <laughs> I want to turn into Millie and or Vanilli. Uh, that's pretty good. Just a, yeah. a record pops out of the question block. And then, yes. <laughs> and then the music just changes to do, 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 do. <laughs> and on that note, so to speak, <laughs> let's move yeah. on to some more 90s music. Okay, I'm reviewing Hammer Man, and the uh, first episode, Defeated Graffiti. This show is created by MC Hammer. Now, 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 all you youngins, did you know that Christian minister MC Hammer used to be the world's most famous rapper? <laughs> he made enduring classics like You Can't Touch This, Too Legit to Quit, uh, Adam's Groove from the Adam's Family movie. Yeah. And this is what we do from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack. <laughs> All kinds of links. Um, anyway, it naturally follows that he also had a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, in it, community um, youth worker Stanley Burrell, his real name, Burrell? 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 It's probably anyway, Burrell. He, yeah. Burrell inherits a pair of magic living shoes from a Motown singer slash superhero named Soul Man. Uh, I, I watched somebody's review once and they said they liked that he's a legacy superhero. And that is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so when Stanley puts the shoes on, he becomes the new dancing superhero, Hammer Man. So Gramps opened up the bag. He took out the magical shoes. He set them on the ground and they began to groove. Okay, this is the candidate for worst cartoon theme song ever. Boy, um, for real, like okay. regardless what you think about rap as a genre, this is yeah. not a good rap. And oh, it's, it's, it's just it's just really blatantly just hammering you over the ha hammering you over the, the head with the plot of the show. Yep. And OK, so Raven was in the room, but <laughs> not really not really paying attention. OK, OK. okay. I like this. Setup. So, the, <laughs> so unironically, she commented. When will they learn that not everyone can rap? <laughs> <laughs> Did she know that it was MC Hammer? Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. It was perfect, though, regardless. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's great. Um, You're MC Hammer rapping and go, oh, jeez, these amateurs. <laughs> so uh, Gramps slash Soul Man has a granddaughter named Jody. And there's also a varied bunch of supervillains for Hammerman to combat. Uh, the beginning of each episode has real live-action kids hip-hop dancing against a cartoon background until real MC Hammer calls them to the uh, townhouse stoop to rap with them about issues. And this <laughs> first episode's issue is how naughty graffiti is. Mm. Okay, so now we get to actual animation. And Ludwig... Um, or should I call him Kooky? <laughs> What's his name in this? <laughs> anyway, 
Ludwig, a guitarist, and his band play some sweet fusion classical on the street, but Gramps can't help but show them up by doing a Motown performance like back in the day. Anyway, yeah, he's, Joe he's kind of like, it's kind of like Hammer Man is the MC Hammer equivalent. Oh, he is MC Hammer. Um, oh, yes. But like Gramps slash Soul Man is like James Brown. I wish they drawn him more like him. It's, it's like <laughs> James. It's like if James Brown was a superhero, he'd be this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, Jody, his granddaughter, uh, she shows up and insists that they got to get down to the library because it's on fire. When they get there, the fire department is clearly outmatched. But like the fates, these twin fly girls call we need the hammer. Ooh. And like that, he arrives from the rooftops. <laughs> they're these kind of like, they're the chorus, kind of like the girls from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, like the flowers, the, the flowers from Little Shop. I was, I was thinking exactly that. Um, so anyway, <laughs> really amusingly, his parachute pants act like an actual parachute. <laughs> <laughs> And he rescues a woman from the building by taking her down a musical staff that is like the lines on sheet music. I loved the um, little, like, <laughs> instead of drawing fire, they just do these little, like, cartoon fires on feet, doing, like, a conga line down the flagpole towards her. Yeah, very Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> um, so his dancing also generates uh, notes that magically animate a water tower so that it'll walk over and it douses the building. Uh, however, Jody laments that Hammerman leaves before she can talk to him. You see, Hammerman is actually a secret identity. It's like if Clark Kent and Superman both wore glasses. <laughs> <laughs> how can't she? And, how and can't also, she tell them apart? <laughs> but also, if like Jody had traveled all over the world with her grandfather, who's like, I gotta find somebody to get these magic shoes. Like, oh, hey, right, I just right. met this guy named Stanley. Coincidentally, somebody else. Uh, not Stanley has the magic shoes now. Oh, it's really weird. Yeah. And like, she's got to be at the youth center all the time because she ain't got no parents. Right. But like, she's hey, got grants. Aren't you her guardian. Aren't she's you got her? A, yeah, she's weird. got a caretaker. Yeah. I don't understand. I they anyway. got to appeal to inner city youth, I guess. I don't know. Uh, speaking of which, I apologize for that. <laughs> that characterization of Gramps I just did. Anyway. So uh, back at the youth center, a pipe bursts and ruins Jody's painting of Hammerman fighting that fire. Now we introduce character showbiz. He's like some local schemer and he tries to get Stanley's attention to get him to play the tuba or something. Anyway, uh, between that and the profuse flooding, Jody runs away in a huff because she's being ignored. You know, something that I noticed when I watched this, that? yeah. Uh, showbiz is wearing the same medallion that one of Millie Vanilli were wearing in oh, really by rock. <laughs> Wow. Well, I guess that's that deep connection, right? It's probably, um, I would guess, I don't know for sure, but just based on kind of the look of it and the yeah. the time period uh, mm. and the rest of their clothing, I bet it's probably some kind of green, yellow, and red approximation of the continent of Africa. Oh, okay. But I don't know that for sure. I That is a piece of, you know, early 90s hip-hop culture is not something I was a part of. And also, I'm not black. Mm. So... All right. They don't know that. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Whoops. Blow your cred. Blow your <laughs> black cred. Damn. Um, so <laughs> on the streets, this cartoon, uh, she meets a boy named Joker, and he convinces her to try out tagging the wall. 
It turns out that she's so good at it that the spying supervillain, <laughs> DeFacely Marmeister, <laughs> uh, deems that he needs use of her skills. I thought his name was going to be Meanie Graffiti. Nope, DeFacely <laughs> Marmeister. Anyway. <laughs> By the way, this is this is Len Carlson, right? Obviously. Uh, it's beastly. Um, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just the beastly voice. Yeah. So, anyway, if Jody uses her special paint or uses his special paint to uh, make graffiti around town, especially on banks. <laughs> She'll be implementing his plan. You see, he can make whatever she paints into living monsters. Anyway, there's some more crowd about showbiz trying to rope Ludwig. Remember him? The, 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 the guitarist? Into playing the tuba at his festival thing. Uh, when showbiz asks Stanley again, they have a mix-up of duffel bags, and Stanley leaves to look for Jody without his magic shoes. Uh, this is even worse because he runs into Marmeister and his flame monster. It's apparently not that hot because it grabs Stanley and abducts him. It's just paint. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, back at Marmeister's lair, they manacle Stanley to the wall in order that the monster doom him by covering him with magic spray paint from the shoes upward. Looks like Stanley is painted into a corner. Will he be made into still life? Tune in next time. Same hammer time, same hammer channel. Anyway, Marmeister makes a bunch of graffiti monsters himself. In the meanwhile, Jody and the other kids are making graffiti because they think it's a city beautification project. Yeah. When she recognizes it, yeah. Go, well, there, she's a little... Kid. Like, Marmeister said that he's from the mayor's office and they want to beautify the city. Yeah, and he offered money. Yeah. Um, so, when she recognizes that that monster is Joker's tag, she realizes that they've been had. They've been making graffiti that's being turned into monsters. Um, while Stanley is covered by more and more paint, he badly sings Gramps' old song in order to get his attention, you know, rather than yell help or police. Well, it's funny. He actually asked the monster first if it would be OK if he yelled for help. And the monster frowned upon that. So, yeah. so he's like, OK, I guess I won't. But can I sing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jody throws a pail of water at her own art monster and destroys it. She also uses a can of remix spray to free Stanley so that he can find Hammerman, wink. <laughs> um, so anyway, he goes off, he retrieves his shoes, Hammerman's up, then fights all the monsters with dope dance moves, musical notes magic, and a little backup dancing from the Fly Girls. He undoes every tag monster. And the music that plays during this is, you can't touch oh, this. It, it actually is, you can't touch this, which puts me in a quandary. This thing is barely animated, so is this better or worse than uh, Cootie Pie Rocks? I can't decide. Um, I personally it, think it's better. Oh, really? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Marmeister, desperate to make an escape, grabs Jody and hustles up a fire escape. But Jody isn't just some defenseless waif. She still has one of those magic spray paints. So she makes a policeman on the wall to arrest Marmeister. And having created this policeman, they can't ethically just undo him. So I assume he goes on to join the actual police or find other meaningful pursuits in his new life. Yeah, un until it theoretically rains. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so, boy, nobody would tag walls if it just came off with a rain. Yeah. So, 
Jody resumes making art at the youth center, and she feels feels more self-assured of her abilities. Further, she goes on to repair all the graffiti that I suppose hadn't been monsterized. Mm. Um, Stanley and Gramps walk along together and review this early success for the superhero career of Hammerman. Um, and lastly, after not voicing himself in this cartoon, the live-action MC Hammer appears in the flesh to, end, in the end, to reinforce that graffiti is whack. Um, but if you keep at legit art, one day you might just work on a cartoon as good as this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> this cartoon is exactly as bad as I remember it. <laughs> okay. Back in the day, holy cow. Go ahead, go ahead. First thing, the yeah. moral of this story is, hey, tagging stuff that, you know, tagging other people's property is wrong. Yeah. Counterpoint, she already knew that and was only doing it because she was convinced that the city wanted her to legally. Right. It's not exactly a big conflict. No, like this is like the moral that they're like, it's a good moral, but at the same time, like she, she's not learning that lesson. She, she knew that lesson. Yeah. What it should have been is Joker should have been working for Marmeister and she should have convinced him not to. Yeah. That would have made more sense. Yes. Um, this show, uh, doesn't really have an in-betweener department. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no betweens in the keyframes. No. Which looks really funny when he's hip-hop dancing. <laughs> and, it's uh, like somebody who has, like, some wiener like me who has just gone on YouTube and kind of animated their favorite segment of a Let's Play video conversation. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking of comparing it, like, what what things is this better than? And I thought immediately about the Rembrandt, uh, Rembrandt Studios, The Hobbit. Yes. Hardly animated at all. I, I was thinking like this is I for a second. I was like, is this the worst animated thing we've looked at? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that Hobbit thing. No, no, I think it's still this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's better than Clutch Cargo, I would say. That's that cartoon with people's real mouths superimposed over drawings. Oh, boy. Um um, I mentioned a while ago this German mockbuster studio called Dingo. Yeah. I would say that this is at least twice as good as Dingo. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you, I d- actually didn't hate this. Really? Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. The art style, like the actual drawings and stuff is okay. Yeah. Like for the, yes, it, if, it, it looks, the drawing is okay. And if there were betweens, it would be comparable to Little Shop. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The animation is so stilted. Like you said, there's no in-between frames. It's all just like, you know, their arms are at their sides and then they're pointing and then they're down again. But the thing is that it does it so consistently and so blatantly that to me, (laughs) it doesn't come off as laziness. It comes off as the intended style. And now, (laughs) and for most of the cartoon, I was like, okay, if that's the way they actually want this to look like if it's not, you know, we just can't do any. Well, maybe they couldn't. But like if it's like we don't want no. to do any better, this is how we want it to look. OK, fine. I'll go with you on that ride. I'll accept that as a style. The problem that I had was in the big climactic hammer fight scene where he's taking down all the monsters mm-hmm. and it was animated so badly that I was like, OK, 
you want to do this style for people having conversations or doing little dances in the street, fine. But for an action sequence like this, this is where it breaks down. Hit. This is where it's almost well, incomprehensible <laughs> what's happening. Where he'll like well, pick up a dinosaur and then in the next frame it's squished between his hands. And then in the next frame it's on the ground and then the next frame he's kicked it. Like okay. that doesn't work. Well, I'll tell you, they ju- they did just run out of time and money. Mm. They, they they animated this with the pr- perspective that it was going to have betweens. Because oh. I watched episode two. Um, it features a rapping nemesis called Rapolian, <laughs> who's got a height complex, and so does Jody, and that kind of brings them... Anyway, um, there's more betweens in this episode. Not many more. <laughs> there's still a lot of instances of instant pointing and stuff. <laughs> Let me take a break here. Um, Charge Man Ken, Chargey Man Ken, <laughs> or Bouncy Hammer, which oh. is animated better. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I go Chargey Man Ken. I think, I think um, motion comics are animated better than this. But anyway, my, my point was this episode two had some between somewhere in the episode. Hmm. So by my by like a comparative check here, that would mean that the thirteenth and last episode surely must be the greatest work of art ever. <laughs> if it scales like that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Huh. But you liked it okay. I thought it was as a kid I thought, wow, this is trash. I had like, no memory of it other than the theme song. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, because you stopped watching as soon as you saw the opening <laughs> credits. Like I said, as a little kid, I watched everything. I didn't watch this. Holy crap. For me, it was like, I I went along for the ride, accepting that this was the style they wanted to go for. Yeah. Um, and with Super Mario Brothers 3, it was just like, they've done the best they can, and it's awful. No, no, that's a good point. You know you know what's kind of funny? What? So our theme for this ep- episode was um, uh, celebrities. Yeah. We we both picked musicians who were at the top of celebrity at the time and now are a punchline. <laughs> yeah, true. We did. Yeah. So that worked out pretty well. That dovetailed nicely. Yeah. Um, Wacky stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. What are we going to do next week? Okay. Uh, those of you who are into cartoons may have been listening for the past few weeks and thought, hey, they haven't said the thing yet. And yeah, we haven't. Uh, Kevin Conroy passed away a couple weeks ago. It's probably like three by now, by the time you're hearing this. Mm. Kevin Conroy, of course, is the voice of Batman um, in the Batman the Animated Series and most other non-live action Batmans. Um, right mm. up until recent video games. Um, yeah. And he died and it was very sad. Uh, and we are going to honor him. We are going to watch Batman Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. which uh, I'm, I think I've seen parts of it. Um, I haven't seen it, hmm. remarkably. I, and it's, it's, it's supposed to be the good BTAS movie. This was the one that was coming out. This was, this was the Batman movie that came out between Batman Returns and Batman Forever. Mm. Uh, obviously not the same canon because it's animated. Um, but this was the one where it's like, this is actually the good Batman movie. 
you could even you could maybe even say that compared to the live actions. I mean, we'll find out. Well, no, that's what I mean. Like compared oh, yeah, to the okay. li- like a lot of people like that first bet. I mean, we should talk about this more on next week's show. But yeah, so we're going to be watching sure, sure. Mask of the Phantasm in order to honor the great Kevin Conroy, the man who played Batman longer than anyone else. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So until looking forward to it. until. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I hear this movie is awesome. Uh, so until then, uh, how would you talk to us? Do you have favorite celebrities in cartoons? Do you think there's celebrities that should be in cartoons? Do you remember who Millie Vanilli were? <laughs> you can say all that to me for now on Twitter at AC Matsy. All right. And you can rap with me at Drab Swatch. I'm going to give my sore throat a rest here. I'm going to go back to uh, figuring out this magic eye puzzle. Oh, it's the Celery Stalker's slogan. Hey, how come we don't get this kind of applause when we do good plumbing?